Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode. Uh, today's kind of a coaching call. Uh, I got Dr. Matthew Stay who is joining us and we dive into um, his transition from uh, working, I guess, learning from his mentor before chiropractic school, um, working for his mentor, taking a break from that, and then ultimately uh, buying his mentor's practice and, and actually the real estate, but then how that transition can be a struggle, right? When you, when you really open up the kimono of someone else's practice that you have purchased and you need to, um, you know, try to seamlessly transition that practice as, as easy as possible um, without losing a lot of patience. We, we dive into some of the struggles he's had, some of the benefits, um, some of the positives of buying a practice versus starting from scratch. I think if you are, uh, no matter what stage you're in, this episode is going to be beneficial for you. You know, if you're a chiropractor that already owns your practice uh, and you're not looking to buy anything else, uh, it still could be helpful to, to maybe learn how you could prepare your practice for a sale down the road to make it easier for the person purchasing it. Uh, if you're an associate, this will be great to hear. If you're new to it, um, even if you're starting your own practice, it's a lot of good information here that Doc um, talks about. And so we, we dive into kind of a coaching call around um, transitioning a practice around uh, purchasing from another doctor, especially one uh, this particular doctor has been uh, established for quite a few years and what that looks like. So enjoy this episode with Dr. Matthew Stay. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. I really appreciate your time today. I'm looking forward to diving into a topic that's kind of new and, and, and needed. We're going to dive into taking over a practice that has been established for years and, and now you're the owner. But before we, we dive into that, tell us a little bit about yourself personally and professionally and we'll go from there. Yeah, well, um, first off, you know, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. Big fan and you know, I, I've picked up a lot of value from this over the, the last couple of years that I've you know, been listening. And uh, but yeah, you know, my, my story, you know, I, I was an athlete in high school and had a pretty severe wrestling injury that kind of led me into chiropractic and you know as fate would have it my my dad wrestled with the local chiropractor when he was in high school so that was a no-brainer when you know i had to be on the mat to wrestle he's like well you're gonna go see dr lee mm -hmm. and you know honestly two two adjustments was all i needed and i was back on the mat and i was like wow this is this is what i want to do mm -hmm. and uh yeah and you know my dr lee the, the chiropractor that i just mentioned he was he kind of took me under his wing, was my mentor through the whole thing. And, you know, as I was going through school, I always was talking with him. I precepted with him while I was still in school. I associated with him and mm -hmm. it just kind of evolved into, you know, Hey Matt, you know, if, when I'm ready to retire, you want to take this over? And mm -hmm. I mean, it's in my hometown and it made sense. And you know, here we are. So 2019 okay. there, right before COVID, that was when he was ready to, the, to pull the trigger on his retirement. And mm -hmm. So I stepped in and of course we all know what happened after that. <laughs> yeah. Pandemic. Yeah. The timing was interesting for sure. But yeah. where are you at? Where are you located exactly? Oh yes. Yeah, so south of Pittsburgh, actually kind of right between 
Pittsburgh and Morgantown, right up on off of I seventy nine. So I can tell by the accent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Being, small, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, just small town area. You know, blue collar coal mining yeah. town. Yeah, it's you know it's it's a good place, but yeah, you know, we we are very limited in a lot of our resources because yeah. of being the yeah, area but be, being born and raised on a south florida i've become an expert in accents we we have everybody, <laughs> we have everybody down here yeah you know I, it's a funny thing i was actually born and raised for the first part of my life in la but my oh. family originally being from southwestern pa mm-hmm. we moved back here when i was you know, a little bit younger and mm-hmm. i never thought i had the accent but apparently i'm wrong yeah you got it you got it for sure but uh <laughs> how long did you how long were you an associate for dr lee before you you took over i i graduated palmer college in davenport 2013 mm-hmm. february of 2013 and i started associated with him for a couple years right mm-hmm. out and then i had a couple opportunities to work in an integrated clinic where we mm-hmm. had physical therapists the nurse practitioners, osteopaths, which was a cool experience. You got to see a lot of the other side of the, you know, the medical profession and how they work and be able to, you know, work in, you know, conjunction with them, which was, mm-hmm. which was invaluable. And then I got back to my roots. I, you know, worked at another chiropractic office and then, you know, you know, Dr. Lee called up there, you know, October of 2019 said, Hey, I'm okay. ready, to, ready to make this move. So that's so where you- we're at now. You were not the actual associate at that office that then bought and transitioned out. You were, you had left, you were at a different clinic. So you were coming back kind of fresh to the clinic, correct? Yeah. Yeah. He, and he never, like, I was the last associate that he had when I left, he just continued on as a solo practitioner. And, and, and when I left, like that was, again, that conversation was already in place. Like, you know, Hey, whenever I'm ready, let's, you know, just so that, yeah, you know, that's, I feel like I got complacent with that. You know, I slacked off of my continuing education because I was like, hey, this practice is going to be available for me and I can do what he's doing. And yeah, well, <laughs> that's okay. where we're at. Okay. And then did you purchase it from him? Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. I got to purchase the the practice and the, the real estate as well. Oh, good. So you get the combo deal. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's a great way of doing it. So that's a great start. But um, yeah. yeah. how's that been managing both things? You know, it, that for me, I, I had a little bit of background, you know, working with re- some real estate mm-hmm. and that, you know, not really just, just understanding how that worked, how the business end of that worked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he initially offered me to just rent. And, you know, mm-hmm. once I realized that I could purchase the whole thing, it just, that was a no brainer. You know, yeah. I, it's like renting, you know, your apartment. Like I'd rather build equity than. Yeah. Perfect. You know, no, so. smart move, smart move. Okay. So, then you walk in, was there a uh, transition period of time where he stuck around to kind of transition the practice to you? Yeah. So the initial, again, the final takeover, the, the papers were signed in October, but I come back to the office in I think June of that year and work through June, July, August, September with the doctor, you know, transitioning. And again, yep. the transition wasn't too bad because most of the patients were familiar with me. I mean, I still lived. Mm-hmm five minutes from the office just works elsewhere you know again small towns everybody seems to know everybody's business and so that made that easy people were already familiar with me because i've worked here before and Mm -hmm. just being around in the community made that pretty easy from that standpoint yeah that's good yeah that helps it you know there's a lot of different variables when you purchase an existing practice and and how uh, many years was this practice in business Oh, well, it was established in 1987. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah, he's very well-established practice. And so he's obviously yeah. made a lot of roots there, but it can be tricky if you're 
moving to an area you have no idea about. Plenty of people do it, but obviously at least you had that going for you where you were familiar with the practice somewhat and familiar with the areas. That's good. Yeah, um, definitely. But on the flip side, what are some of the things you found challenging with transitioning a well-established older practice into, into you being the owner and the only doctor there? Well, I, I think first and foremost is, you know, being true to myself. You know, when I started this transition of, you know, becoming the owner, you know, I just felt like I was just going to continue on the path that the previous doctor had established and just you know, build on that reputation, which is, of course, I want to do that. But I think I tried too hard to be him mm-hmm. and what the patients expected of him. Yeah. You know, and, and I think COVID was actually a pretty good thing, if mm-hmm. they could say that's a good thing, mm-hmm. because while well, we slowed down a lot and I was able to start that transition and have the patients kind of get used to me and how I was running things. But, you're, you know, you're, you still get a lot of that pushback. And, mm-hmm. you know, when pay, it, it, Change is hard, and I, and I recognize that. But you know, all, the, the big thing I'm just trying to do is offer different solutions to complement the adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, now, would you say it was mostly clinical that was different, or was there also a component of personality? Where was it? Was it a personality-driven practice that he had, and then you come in with a, a different type of personality, uh, or was it a little bit of both? I'd say a little bit of both, but more on, the, I think more on the clinical aspect, you know, my, my predecessor, he was trained in a lot of the rehab processes. And when I was working with him, we tried to utilize that because we had two doctors in the office, but, you know, ultimately the, the he, I think he had his system, the things that worked well for him. Yeah. And, you know, again, as an associate or as someone, as an outsider looking in and like, oh man, this is a great practice. And having the experience working in it. Like I just felt I could just jump in and do that. And that was a uh, big eye opener for me is realizing that I have to be true to myself and I have yep. to you know, show patients that this is other options. And mm. th- that's been the struggle. It definitely has been the struggle. Okay. So basically a lot of them <clears throat> were not getting rehab and now you're applying a lot of the rehab model to mm-hmm. the practice, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this last summer, we actually did a little remodel mm-hmm. within the office to help make that a little bit more fluid yep. so that I could adjust, walk out the room and boom, there's our exercise uh, area. We can just transition to that, and, which before it wasn't set up that way. And there was a lot of me running around and mm-hmm. kind of I, trying to find all my equipment and stuff. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that was something I was going to say is sometimes often a rehab model is going to take a different space requirement than a non-rehab model. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I've had, you know, pra- practitioners not be able to really do the rehab they want to because of that. But obviously you were able to to do that. So that's a great step, right? If uh, yeah, your exactly. model is going to require a certain type of spacing, go ahead and invest the the capital in doing the renovation to do that. So I'm glad you right. did that because, you know, a lot of people forget about it, but space and, and equipment tend to be a huge limiting factor in their practice model. And it sounds like right. you've squared that away. Well, you know, to be honest, before my predecessor bought this building, it was an archery range. So there was plenty of space here. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. How about your staff? Like, what does your staff look like right now? So it's it's me and I have an office manager and a a, a CA who runs the front desk. And I'll be honest, I, I couldn't have even dreamed of having two better girls working for me. Perfect. And we work so well together. And full disclosure, my office manager, she's my cousin but we're literally five days apart and grew up 
you know, with each other. So we might as well be brother and sister. Um, so you got someone she, who's got a vested interest there. Correct. And, and she's a certified x-ray technician, which helps me a lot, a lot there when I need patients who have to have x-rays. And it's, it's a really a perfect setup. Like I said, we work very well together. We're very highly motivated to, and for the changes that we're bringing in the office and you know, my staff, they, they understand that they see the, the possibilities of, you know, and the outcomes that can come of that if we you know stick to the plans and so, Perfect. yeah, it's, it's great. I can't, I cannot complain about that at all. And then you do the rehab with the patients or do you have someone that does it for you? Yeah, I, I do it with the patients. Yeah. You know, I, we're seeing about, eh, about 120 patients a week. And again, a lot, a lot of these patients have transitioned from the, the old owner to me mm -hmm. and a lot of these patients and, and all they need is an adjustment. We have yeah. a lot of patients that come in, mm -hmm. you know, once a month, once every three or two or three weeks and they get adjusted. They feel great. They go out the door. And to be honest, the, the, the less we have to do, the better. But unfortunately, when you have the, and you know, just as well as I do, you have these, this patient coming in with this chronic lower back pain, you know, one sacral adjustment might not cut it. You know, we, we might need to support that. We might need to get you moving a little bit. You know, we treat a lot of Medicare patients who unfortunately don't do a whole lot for themselves like you know they live very sedentary lifestyles they're oftentimes not even willing to try to do some exercises and yeah that's been a struggle there okay and then one of the things that i want to touch on here because you know when you buy someone else's practice the financials play a big role in that and those financials don't always tell the full story and in one way is that if you're taking over a practice that's like manipulation based and you know, they're able to see eight people in an hour and, and they're getting X amount of dollars per visit. And then a chiropractor comes in, buys it and goes into a rehab model and is spending 20, 30 minutes with the patient getting similar, or maybe just a little bit more reimbursement because of the exercise, but not a lot. That can be a tough transition to go from one to the other and keep up the same level of revenue and profits. Th does that make sense? What I'm saying? 100%, 100%. And, that, you know, and again, that's been another internal struggle of mine because, you know, look, we, we, we've got to make money. We've got to stay afloat. I've got business loans to pay that, you know, so we've we got to make sure we're turning a profit. But at the same time, I want to give quality care. And I, I think that that part of me is really driving the bus, which I, that's what I want. That's definitely what I want because yeah. the, the quality of care is, is more important than the making, you know, a million dollars a year or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But in the same regard, sometimes if you're not careful, if you change it too drastically, then you're running into cash flow issues and you start hemorrhaging money. Correct. Uh, and, and I've seen that with other chiropractors. So you got to look at what the model was, what the model you're looking to do. And, and if the math is going to, to add up again, if he's getting $50 a visit and seeing eight in an hour, and then you're getting 65 a visit and seeing three in an hour, you're losing money each hour that was in the P&Ls that you saw that you bought, right? So you bought a different product than that you have now. And so you have to be careful. And again, I'm all for evidence-based care and, and offering the best care, but you've got to really look at it and say, okay, can I see more people an hour, spend a little bit less time per se, if it makes sense? And can I afford to hire like a rehab CA? So someone to do the rehab. So your practice has the rehab, but you're not doing it because if 
what would you say he was seeing in a week? How many you're seeing about 120? How many was he seeing in a week when he was uh, coming along? I, I think when you know, right at the takeover, it was about 170 a yeah. week. Yeah, I, and to be honest, there there was a time even as or as recent as last summer where I was up my six week averages at 170 patients a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think again, I don't I don't necessarily want to blame the pandemic, but mm-hmm. we had to shut our doors for a few weeks. We had or for not for a few weeks, for a few days recently. Yeah. With just a high number of cases in the area, mm-hmm. patients calling, being exposed, being testing positive. And, you know, it, it, from the public perspective, the public optics, like, you know, you don't want to be that that off, especially in a small town. That's, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, we're open. Who cares about COVID? I mean, I, you know, you got to be aware of that you have to be in tune to that. And, yep. you know, the, no, the last thing I want is to hurt the reputation. All right, Docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors, and you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm modern chiropractic marketing right and so check out that link and we're going to have you go over five seo secrets to owning the first page of google uh, without buying ads and darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. Yeah, that's reality for sure. But, you know, I just want the audience out there to realize like, if you're going to take over a practice and you're going to invest the money into it, get an understanding of the practice model they had, how that lines up, what the practice financials were, what's the practice financials going to look under your model. Right. And, and that's a, that's the ethical situation we see with the transition being a, a problem from a cash flow standpoint. Then there's an unethical and this has nothing to do with your practice, but I'm just bringing it up for the audience's sake is, uh, and I've talked to chiropractors in the past that have run into the situation where they never really under, they never looked under the hood of the practice. They saw the the financials, but then once they take it over, realize like, oh, okay, there was, um, you know, huge care plans being sold and I don't want to do that anymore. There was unethical billing happening. And so the money that's coming in really isn't legitimate. There's definitely things happening in certain scenarios where you're taking over an unethical, you, you basically bought an unethically practiced office. And so those billings aren't really what they should have been. And then that chiropractor comes in, does things the, the right way and realizes like, well, I'm seeing the same amount of people, but my cash flow is down 25, 30, 40%. Why is that? You look under the hood and see, well, shit wasn't going the way it should have been here. And I didn't realize that again, I'm not saying that's happening in yours. I'm just saying that's what I've heard of. And I, I want my audience to be aware of that. Oh, it, 100%. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, and again, that, that wasn't the, what was happening here. I, yeah. I had, you know, the, you know, the fortune of working in the office and seeing the day-to-day operations and how we build for patients mm-hmm. and, you know, how we apply charges for, for services. And to be honest, I, I think he was probably even underbilling a little bit. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And, and and maybe that has something to do, you know, with previous experiences he had. I, I don't know. Well, let's talk about that. Let me chime in on that. Because another thing that happens is, especially when you're in a smaller town, you've been around for a long time, you got all these deals with people, right? Like, well, Bob's my plumber. He doesn't get charged. You know, he... I bought my car from him and gave me a deal. So he doesn't get charged or this person's got a cash rate because of it. Like there's all these things that happen in practices. And again, not saying it happened in yours, but it, I'm sure there's like, I mean, every practice has these little oddities and then you come in and you talk to Bob is like, well, Bob, you know, this is the the price and we're, we're you know, and, and so I'm sure there's been some of those conversations, right? Oh, certainly. Tell me about <laughs> yeah. that. Well, you, you know, it, it, again, the, the small, the small town mentality, like the, mm-hmm. there is a fine balance. Like, you don't want to piss a bunch of people off because they're <laughs> yeah. not telling everyone, Hey, look, th- this chiropractor, he's charging me for this. And the old chiropractor didn't do mm-hmm. that. It, you know, th- there is a delicate balance I feel with yeah. that. And, yeah. you know, navigating that is certainly a challenge. You know, I, I think when you build the rapport with patients, you can really fill that out a little bit more. And mm-hmm. for me, again, being fortunate that, you know, it, this is my chiropractor when I was in high school. He was my, you know, my boss right out of school. I live in the area. So a lot of the patients were familiar with me and knew me. So th- I think that transition was a little bit easier for me, yep. but I could certainly see how that would be a big problem for mm-hmm. someone who's not from that area. Yeah. And that's has why, experience in that area. Yeah. That's why like when practice specialists uh, value, give evaluation of a practice, there's a lot of variables and that's why. Yeah. Typically, an associate, especially one that's been there for a while, if they buy the practice and they are treating most of the patients already, that's the best case scenario. That's got the least risk involved because the doctor's mm-hmm. been there for five, 10, whatever years and can really already is part of the practice. That's usually right. the, yeah. the best. And then obviously the hardest is when someone new comes in and, and takes over, but you're kind of a little bit more in the middle, which is, which was good. Yeah. Yeah. To, to do that. So let's sw- switch gears back to, you know, you being more rehab based. Did you find a fair amount of the patients that you tried to convert from the old model to the new bottle were hesitant and, and really resistant to that? Yeah, I think there was, there, there was certainly some of that, you know, w- when we decided to just dive into this and, and, and make the, the changes to the office, the, you know, some of the remodeling that we, we, we made a decision that all of our new patients, this is what they're doing. Okay. We're going to, we're going to do a, a, a thorough exam. We're going to put them, you know, find out what their, you know, the low hanging fruit is, if you will. And you know, we'll, we're going to mobilize the, the restricted joints and we're going to rehab the areas that is going to help them overcome this problem. And, and for us, that was easy because the new patients, they had no experience prior to us, you know, uh, me taking over. So they didn't know any better. Yeah, And that's actually been beneficial, you know, because now we have, I'm working with a new patient in the therapy room and all of a sudden, you know, an older, you know, one of the patients that transitioned from the previous owner is seeing me do these exercises. They're like, wow, man, this could, this, could this help me? I'm like, well, we got to examine you. We got to do this. We got to, you know, we got to check you out because, you know, mm-hmm. we've just been doing our adjustments. You come in for your monthly maintenance and things are going to change. So we got to make sure what we're doing is going to be specific for your needs Good, I, like so I think that, yeah and, that, and that's definitely helped but you know like, like i said before I, I feel that the least that we have to do the better you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and get, getting back to your, your previous point you know 
when you're talking about how I might only be able to see three in an hour compared to, you know, eight in an hour with just your come in, adjust and, and mm-hmm. get them out the door. Well, that's I've, with our staff. We've really tried to make it a point to know our patients and know what their needs are so that when this you know patient who has been with the practice for 30 years just wants to come in and get adjusted, we try to schedule him when we've got a few other rehab patients. Mm-hmm. And so being, and I mean, that's in a perfect world that works hundred percent of the time, but that doesn't always work out, but that's what we try to do. Try to really know who our patients are and put them in places where they're not going to be waiting a whole long because a whole lot of time, because I'm working with other patients. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay. I got a question for you. Aside from transitioning into more of the rehab model, is there any other big struggle that I can help you out with in this process of transitioning? Oh, well, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> About uh, 10 more I minutes. Mean, no, just yeah, yeah. no, I, you know, a lot of it is mindset for me. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I've heard you reference it several times on your, on your podcast, like that poverty mindset. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something I certainly struggle with. And, you know, I, again, coming back to that small town mentality, mm-hmm. I don't, I love these people. Like, you know, I'm in the place that I am because of the, the people in, in my community. So the least I can do is give back to them. But mm-hmm. I have to realize that I'm running a business. And, yeah. uh, you know, I wish we could do everything for you. I, I wish every insurance paid everything and nobody had to pay anything out of pocket. But it's just not the world that we live in. No. You know, that's been a big struggle of mine. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think like other things, just in terms of having you know, a systematic approach to healthcare. Like you said, I'm, I'm trying to integrate all of this, but you know, trying to learn a lot of things on the fly, of, you know, best practices. When should I apply this technique? When can I apply this technique? And you know, I, I listened to Winchester and Taylor Premer on the Gestalt Education Show. And I think that's fantastic for a lot of the clinical aspects. And I've gotten yeah. a lot from them too. But so, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of putting it all together, I guess. Let's talk about the the poverty mindset thing or the, just the money for a minute, who discusses the finances with the patients in your practice? Well, my, my office manager she, during the report, she goes in and, and does and handles all that. But, but all of us, we support that. You know, I might, when I'm doing the report, I'll, I'll start to allude to this, like, okay, you know, this is what we're doing. And Amanda, she's my office manager. Amanda's going to come in and she's going to go over the finances a little bit more thoroughly, go over any discounts we're able to offer, blah, 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 blah. But we all we always make sure we're supporting that whatever that patient's finance financial responsibility is, and Perfect. you know whatever their insurance you know claims that they're going to pay for. What I love getting the doctor out of the finances. Right? Yeah, like whenever whenever yeah. I give a report of findings or anything like that, and talk to the patient, if they bring up money, I you know I say okay, you know Kayla, who's our front, is going to go over all that with you. I got to give you my recommendations based on uh, your diagnosis my experience in treating this. And I can't really take into, you know, time, money and, and, and travel into it. I'd be doing a disservice to, to do that. So I just really try to keep the money conversation separately. And so I want you to just consider setting a very fair fee schedule. Don't make it too low. Don't make it high, make it very fair, understand that insurance is what it is. And so, you know, make sure if you're doing a extra spinal manipulation because they need it bill for it. If they've got it in network deductible, get their, get the money from them on that. Like just set a very fair 
fee schedule, provide a great service to them. That's giving back to them in a sense. And then the money will take care of itself. Don't you know get consumed by it. And then when your profits become very handsome, that will then give you an even greater ability to give back to the community in other ways, right? Like in charitable events and sponsorships and all that type of stuff. I think I, that's the way to to go about it, in my opinion. And you know, charge what you're worth, and people will respect you for that. Yeah, and you know, to, to kind of comment on that too. You know, we that's certainly one thing our whole office has, has worked with. You know, I, I'll be honest. We we started using Kyra Health USA as yep. in a way to kind of help offset some of these. You know, you know the dual fee schedule. You know, issue and what, mm-hmm. what, but also, you know show patients that like, okay, your insurance doesn't cover these reavals. This is time that we're doing, that we're taking yep. out of our day. We got to charge you for this. Yes, exactly. Uh, and that's helped us as a staff, like with that poverty mindset, like, look, you know, we're worth a little bit more than what, what, we're, mm-hmm. what we've been getting. And again, within a, you know, kind of a poorer area that we work in, mm-hmm. Car Health USA makes sense or any DMPO or whatever kind of company mm-hmm. helps offset that potential dual fee schedule or whatever. Good. Yeah, good. I, I think that's been good for us, but still continuing to mm-hmm. to just understand our value and what, what we're able to do for our community. Well, I think inherently you've you've had a slow transition since you bought, which is good in a sense, because I think one of the mistakes I see is the new chiropractor comes in and just pulls a rug out from under everybody and, and just does a complete 180 on stuff. And, and that tends to, to be very difficult to, to manage. And so I think just like you, you want a nice transition from the owning doctor, like to stay on board for a little bit. Once he is gone, you need to start picking and choosing your battle slowly in the transition. Right. And then get, you know, know what your end goal is and put a time on it. Like, okay, in the next six to 12 months, I want to, you know, everything's been delayed for you a little bit because of COVID, but, you know, just say something like over the six to 12 months, this is where I really want to get the practice to be to where it's congruent with me. It's, you know, it's, I'm being honest with myself as a practitioner and how I want to run things like this is where I want to get to. So you can slowly make those changes. So where it's not a a kind of shock to the system and all of a sudden you start hemorrhaging cash flow. So I, I would recommend that for docs out there is to try to to do it that way is typically better then the next recommendation i would have is and let me ask a question as we go into it is uh, how has your communication been with the patients through all these different types of changes oh well i have a tendency to be pretty long-winded one of my major tenants is patient education and i think i might even think over educate sometimes but along those lines like even with the transition like that's hey you know mary you know the we have some changes coming up here in the office this might be something that that works better for you and i we try to be up up front with absolutely everything when it comes to finances recommendations yeah I, i i i believe in transparency and i mean we all know that the medical community at large can be a little shady with some of their you know billing practices and i that to me is the worst thing you can do and i would never want to do that to any of my patients so everything we do regardless financial like i said or uh treatment wise or whatever we're very upfront with our patients perfect that's the way to do it for sure now since you took over have you done any new marketing for the practice that wasn't done before 
<laughs> so <laughs> another great question. Well, I'm, I'm currently in the middle of your, your marketing, doing it right or doing it right. Correct. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, when, when I purchased the office, there was, there wasn't any marketing, external marketing going on. And I, I took some shots at some Facebook ads and Google ads, I, you know, I wasn't specific. I wasn't specific to the message I wanted to get out there. And, and that's something that I realize now. So, you know, currently I'm not doing any external marketing. Everything is internal because I want to build that marketing plan based on what the office is going to look like 12 months from now. Yep. And, you know, and I'm fortunate enough to be you know, tapped into a lot of the local youth athletics. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There's a big division two college right down the road for me that I have a lot of connections with. We actually have treated some of the, the coaches there. And, but in my mindset, and again, this is my internal struggle. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go and market a practice that, that isn't what I want it to be yet. And, mm -hmm. and I just don't feel that I'm quite where I want to be maybe skill set wise okay. to be able to market that that, that yeah, and you and I emailed about that where you are in the process of still building your skill set around this mm -hmm. rehab model, which is great. You know, and I've talked through chiropractors of trying to rebrand and the few that I have, they've done it the right way because you can't just rebrand to a, let's call it a sports chiropractic practice or such right. without having the skill set to do it. And so they took the time and effort to get certified in certain courses that would really give them the skill set to do that versus just kind of fake it till you make it. But I commend you on not only transitioning the practice into more of a rehab model or a sports-based model, but also transitioning yourself into that fully and you'll get there in time. So that's cool to see. Yeah. It's, you know, just keep grinding, man. And, you know, I had the background and, you know, kind of coming back to like what I said before, like I, I got complacent. You know, I, when I was in school, I was in the rehab department and I worked under some very bright minds and mm -hmm. I went to MPI, you know, uh, clubs, club classes and things like that. But I, I just, I, I had that mental block. It's like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I have a mentor who's going to show me everything I need to know. And, and that's 100% on me. I, I just, I, I, for whatever reason, <laughs> I I needed a kick in the ass to to you know, help me realize what I need to be doing outside of patient care. Cool, cool. And then just a, a last little tidbit on the marketing thing. I think a really great opportunity for those that are taking over practices, especially ones that are establishes. You've got you're buying a great foundation. That's why it's typically easier to buy a practice than starting your own from scratch because it's got a great foundation. You just got to tweak some things uh, strategically, but then if you, m most of those types of practices, honestly, don't have effective marketing. And so if you can come in and then layer on really effective marketing and community outreach with that great foundation that you purchased, the growth can be pretty quick and exponential. I've got a few clients right now that are in your shoes, but a little further along and it just, it was great situations for them. So that's the positive. So my last recommendation for you would be is to, uh, whatever you're doing for marketing now, double that and you'll really close that gap. And you'll start if you, especially if you go through that audience builder tool that's in the book and work mm -hmm. through that and get super clear on your positioning and you start hammering that mm -hmm. you'll start, you'll start molding the patient base. That's more congruent to you than right. say the existing patients that were there that were more congruent to him. Right. So I think that's a key thing to start doing. Okay. Exactly. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Any, anything else I can help you out with today? 
Oh, no, man. I really appreciate, you know, you having me here. And I think this has been, you know, invaluable for me. Um, yeah, I just really appreciate your time. Yeah, definitely. Keep me posted on everything. And I just, again, just to, to summarize is to make sure your communication is super effective. Make sure you're getting your billing all squared away appropriately. And then start really doubling down on the marketing efforts. And I think you'll overcome that transition obstacle and that COVID obstacle and you'll do great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. Before you leave, make sure you check out our website. We've got blogs and podcasts and all kinds of great info at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. We also have a closed Facebook group of the same name where a lot of like-minded chiropractors are workshopping ideas and making sure that we have this continual advancement of marketing, business, mindset, and just growth of your practice. So check us out, modernchiropracticmarketing.com and the Facebook group of the same name.